Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yumiko's Shop Boutique page continues this month, bringing the joy of in-store pieces directly to you at home. Only a few releases are highlighted weekly at yumiko.com, but check with your local boutique for additional new summer options. And speaking of summer, Yumiko's 2020 floral collection is fully blooming. A variety of signature styles are florally layered with delicate fabrics for a classy and elegant yet colorful look. While quarantining in her Berlin flat, designer and founder Yumiko Takashima has also exclusively created a handful of surprise black label pieces to launch throughout the month. Be sure to stay connected at yumiko.com and at yumiko on Instagram. Save the date because this year the Lake Tahoe Dance Festival is coming to you. The 8th Annual Lake Tahoe Dance Festival Online Edition takes place July 22nd through 24th, 2020. Enjoy Tahoe in your living room over three unique nights, each with a variety of works around a common theme, with artist interviews and introductions around the works being performed. Special guests include Ashley Bowder, Adrian Dancing Waring, Lloyd Knight, Stephen Hanna, and many more. This year's performances will be available on their website, LakeTahoeDanceCollective.org, with a suggested donation of just $25. Be sure to connect with them via social media on Facebook and Instagram at Lake Tahoe Dance Collective. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by our friend Damian Johnson, faculty member of the Washington School of Ballet. Originally from Dallas, Texas, Damian started dancing at 13, eventually going on to study at the Rock School and the School of American Ballet. As a professional dancer, Damian has been a member of American Repertory Ballet, Dance Theater of Harlem, New Chamber Ballet, Los Angeles Ballet, and London-based Ballet Black, where he was a principal dancer for 10 seasons. Since returning to the States in 2017, Johnson has performed with Madison Ballet, the Ashley Bowder Project, and the Suzanne Farrell Ballet. 
We talk with Damien via Zoom while he is currently in Lake Tahoe, guest teaching for the Lake Tahoe Dance Collective. He shares with us his experiences in Lake Tahoe as a teacher during these times, but also as a mainstay of the annual Lake Tahoe Dance Festival. So today we are joined by Damien Johnson, uh, who is a longtime friend of me, <laughs> but also uh, a wonderful dancer and teacher um, and uh, a friend of the pod that we've longed to have on for quite some time. So Damien, thank you for joining us via Zoom. And we can't wait thank to get chatting. Thank you guys for having me. It's truly oh, my so pleasure. Excited. I'm so happy to get to chat with you. Oh, this is so fun for us. Um, let's just start where we always do. Tell us a little bit about how you got your start in dance. Um, okay, so I let's see. I really, up until fifth grade, I really didn't have much physical activity. My dad's a minister, and I had every single church activity known to man. And, mm-hmm. and then in mm-hmm. fifth grade, I was in a music class, and my music teacher uh she noticed that I had rhythm and I was always like moving. And so she put me in this folk dancing group called mm-hmm. Checkerboard. <laughs> so fifth and sixth grade, I did folk dancing. And I guess I was really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I went on this like national folk dance convention thing. Um, I was the only person that got to do it two years in a row. It was usually just for sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Then in seventh grade, there was an after school program for dance at my middle school. I was like, why don't I just give it a try? So I did. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was all jazz. My first dance was to everybody dance now. Yes. And I guess someone. Oh, that's so timely. <laughs> I love that. And this um, teacher, Kitty Carter, mm-hmm. she has her own school uh-huh. in Dallas. She's a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. She kind of spotted me mm-hmm. and brought me to her studio, gave me classes for free. Um, I didn't want to do ballet, though. I just was sure that I would be a Janet Jackson dancer. Mm-hmm. But they made me do ballet. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple of years later, I had to leave Kitty's studio and go to a studio that just specialized in just ballet because that my passion turned towards that. Um, how did that happen, yeah. though? Yeah, like how did you go from I'm going to be a Janet Jackson dancer to being like this rigid, more um, disciplined art of ballet? It was really random. Um, so in ninth grade, I decided to go to a performing arts high school in Dallas, Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned my ninth grade year, and there I was exposed to ballet. We had to take ballet every single day, and I saw kids from other ballet schools, and they were ballerinas. Mm-hmm. They were absolutely beautiful. And I remember one of my friends, Sarah, she made me go to an audition with her for Boston Ballet. And I was like, you know, I'll come with you, Sarah, support. I really didn't think anything of it. And I got a full scholarship. Wow. And so I went. And then when I came back home from Boston, it's kind of when I really switched my focus to just ballet. Mm-hmm. I saw these two sisters um, and we went to the New York City Ballet and there were these two girls that had come late to Boston from SAB. And they were just beautiful and like bent side to side and had this gorgeous port of bra and mm-hmm. epilogue. I was like, what's this? And then that kind of starts the whole Balanchine love. <laughs> That's great. So so then you started to fall in love with Balanchine, but... Um... Did you make it a plan then to go to the School of American Ballet where you're like, that's the, the, the path I would go to if I want to pursue this particular style? Totally. It was. And I trained at pretty much a Balanchine school in Texas, Balanchine mm-hmm. S. Um, there's mm-hmm. a group of us from there that went on to the School of American Ballet after. But first, I think I auditioned like five times before SAV said yes. They kept saying no. 
no, no. Wow. So finally, I went to the rock school for the summer. Mm -hmm. And I really soon, they asked me to stay for the year, um, which I think within the second week. So I stayed there and more and more Balanchine. And I I was able to take trips to New York and see New York City Ballet. Mm -hmm. And finally, one last time, I was like, okay, here we go. It was my second year at the rock. I think it was SAB had the one last audition in September. So I took the train mm-hmm. until my parents took class. And then they said I can start the next day. Oh, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. It, was, it was absolutely insane. Uh-huh. It all happened so fast. And I was older. Yeah. So how long were you at SAB then? I was there for three years. Well, mm-hmm. the first two were full, full time. And then mm-hmm. the third year, I actually split my time. I uh, joined American Repertory Ballet, but our mm-hmm. contract was very short and it was in Princeton. I still mm-hmm. lived in the city. The so Peter Bowl wanted me when I was off to still take it SAV. So I kind of did both. <laughs> that's so, that's so like, I, I feel like that's such a Peter Bowl move to be Definitely. like, I don't know. That's so, such like a, uh, like the generosity of his spirit. Like, totally. you know, you're still so close. You can still like continue to bolster your training because sometimes like early company years, like that's where you have that transition. And it's like, um, you know, well, I guess you were probably dancing a lot though. What was your rep like at ARB? It was the director at the time was Graham Lustick um, Mm -hmm. and he's English. He grew up in London and it is all original works by him, Mm -hmm. which I mean, were so difficult because he's very classical, but he also, his favorite thing was more body, more body. (laughs) (laughs) And he would hear it like over and over. He's like, I'm bending title. I can't bend Uh anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that was his, um, so it was kind of really tough. There was a girl, Rebecca Crawford. I'm not sure if you guys remember her from Miami, but we, we were the young ones and we danced a lot and it was Mm -hmm. just, all original stuff and very, very, very fast. He loves mm-hmm. American speed. <laughs> right. Getting getting you ready for a life in Britain coming up. But we'll get to that I in know, a second. I <laughs> so from there, you were not shy about uh, you know, exploring lots of different companies and keeping your options open and um in particular okay. with Los Angeles Ballet and Ballet Black, those are two companies that were um, you know, basically brand new, built from the ground up. What was that like to um, commit yourself to an endeavor that, you know, wasn't necessarily like a sure thing, but it was, you know, you were part of the creation of a new, um, a new company. LA was really exciting because there was a group of us that kind of went from New York, across the country to LA. And most of us, we lived, we actually lived together in right. the, the same house. Donors, Michael, you came. I sure know about that house. <laughs> <laughs> so there were, it was like all of us New Yorkers kind of lived together, mm-hmm. which was good and bad. It was fun. We were like a little family and we inspired each other. And I mean, we were also excited about the rep. Mm-hmm. The rep was just so good, but the downfall was the short um, season. Right. So we would yeah. have kind of six months off at times. Um, but one of our layoffs, I think I had an, an I hurt my knee. I mm-hmm. tore my meniscus while I was there. So getting back in shape for that, I was off for maybe four months. And it was finally, I was about to come back and um, do the first program back. Um, and I was away doing a gig. Mm-hmm. And while I was away, I started talking with the director of Ballet Black. And I had been before for just 
two seasons, but they were each very, very short, three months mm-hmm. each. And I would sublet my apartment and go there. And it was kind of really trying. Um, but finally, they got in touch when they were able to have um, a full contract. So she reached out and was like, I can offer you a two-year contract. Will you come? I was like, oh, I'm a little nervous. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed for 10 seasons. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about that, I was just curious um, what you would do during your six-month layoffs, because I wonder if it hooks into what you are currently doing. <laughs> it was really, I would always, I would fly back to New York. So I had mm-hmm. two of them. We would go after Nutcracker and then we would go in the summer. And I started really focusing on my Pilates training and mm-hmm. finishing that, uh, which I finally completed. And I also just started teaching a bit as well on the mm-hmm. side, teaching part-time. Um, and I realized it was a passion of mine. Right. So you were already thinking like, this is something I can do um, when my dance career, I need to transition into something else. And it was something that appealed mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I remember when we were in LA, we had like a couple of little groups doing projects and we would each take turns teaching. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, I kind of like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I That's fun. I like seeing the results of like seeing it click, you know. Right. You know, I think that that's something that's kind of um like a blessing in disguise ultimately. Like you were laying the groundwork and finding your teaching voice and developing other skills during this time off when I'm sure at the, at the time it was probably a little frustrating that you weren't totally. um, dancing as much. Totally. And trying to stay in shape, but make money and mm-hmm. then, you know, explore new passions and new options. It, it was tough. Right. And then we had to be, get back in shape. Just yeah. Go back up in LA in shape. <laughs> yeah. We had right. some long layoffs too. I mean, Miami City Valley, we used to never have any summer work. And so sometimes things would stretch between like, I think 12 to even 15 weeks. Mm. So that's a long chunk of time. So we know the pain, the actual physical pain <laughs> of not dancing. <laughs> But um, but so like aside from it being a, a long term contract, what was it about Ballet Black that appealed to you? Like what the company, um, what makes it distinctive, and what uh, was going to make it a good fit? Two things that really stood out to me because I like I said I'd been twice before for very 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 short periods, and the director Castafanch and I we clicked. We had a really close, we have a very close relationship. And I could also see that she truly believed in me, which was really special. She wanted to push me and just cultivate like the best me that she could. It was really nice to have a boss like that. I'm like, oh, this feels nice. (laughs) (laughs) But but it was really tough because in the beginning when I went, there were three boys and three girls. Mm -hmm. So everyone danced a lot. And it was the contract was 47 weeks. So I, oh. that, I knew that, that I was British uh, <laughs> guarantee, that UK <laughs> art support life that we don't know about. <laughs> were you dancing that whole, that whole 47 weeks? You were. So like, then also, what was that adjustment like too? Because then your body still needs time to rest, even totally. if you're getting paid a lot. <laughs> really hard because there were so few of us. So when there are three boys and three girls, at first, you there was one program one cast and then that got old really fast the more and more we started touring so Mm -hmm. then we would kind of switch and learn someone else's parts in a different ballet but you never really got to leave if you were finished at two you didn't really leave you kind of still had to stay there (laughs) because you might need to know Jacob's part or you might need to know like yeah 
But you were working, so it was a lot of new work, right? Like who were the, some of the choreographers yeah. that you were getting the chance to um, have stuff made directly for your own talents? It was really cool. Let's see, we had Antonio Franceschi, uh, oh. Liam Scarlett. Love both of them. <laughs> yeah. Richard Alston, um, Christopher Hampton, who's the director of Scottish Ballet. Mm-hmm. We had loads. Ludovic from the Royal, Ludo. There was like a big wow. group. Oh, right. And a lot of times in the beginning, it were choreographers from Royal trying to test out their choreography skills. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it was fun. It was a lot. Each program was full. And po- usually people would be, there were three ballets in each program you would do all three of them mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was tough was there a lot of touring or anything that would help fill out those 47 weeks in the beginning no there mm. really was not we had a couple of programs in london that was it maybe right. two a season but mm-hmm. still 47 weeks of just rehearsing and rehearsing and re- like by the time sometimes you got on stage you were like oh my gosh like we it's time to do this ballet yeah. Like we have wow. to perform it now. Um, but then eventually the touring started and mm-hmm. that was great. We toured all around the UK and there were Italian tour bookers as well. And so we did a lot of Italian tours. Mm-hmm. But that's wow. when kind of, but it, that really did take probably the first three years. The first three years, there wasn't much touring. Right. right. So you, go ahead. It's just, it's so easy to keep this combo going. So we're both like no, 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 firing. I know, you go, you I go know. first, Rebecca. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just, curious you mentioned that the company um was you said at one time like three boys and three girls what was what was it at its biggest while you were there and what was it at at its smallest while you were there the smallest was three and three three and three okay. and then it eventually grew to four and four four boys and four girls um gotcha. i love that i still say boys and girls <laughs> like um <laughs> then eventually i think the hopes of casa i still think ideally would be five men five mm-hmm. women um yeah. but yeah, it was still really small. There wasn't anywhere to hide. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a lot of dancing, yeah. <laughs> what would you do about injuries? Like if someone's out, then did you have to hire, uh, you know, extra people to for specific programs or things like that? Because it's a hard thing to to depend on one another. For, uh, when it you're really is. Group. And the pressure that you feel about like, you know, hiding injuries and mm-hmm. not wanting to speak up. But I, do you know, we were lucky the first couple of seasons. And I remember someone um, in a paper in London, they came to see the show mm-hmm. and they, they jinxed us. They wrote in the review, they were like, if this small company keeps dancing this much, someone's going to get injured. Oh. And I, I'm like, serious. It was the next week on tour. We had to like cancel one of the ballets, only oh, do no. one part. So then little things started creeping in. And I think mm-hmm. that's when Casa decided to really go four and four and mm-hmm. make it so everyone is not in every single ballet. Right. Because in the beginning, everyone was in everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. How did, that, how did that affect the choreography and the choreographers coming in? I find that really interesting, right? Because a lot of, if you go to a bigger company, you can kind of choose, oh, I'm going to do a duet or I'm going to do this or that. But if they all kind of had just these six people to work with, and kind of the same mold. Like, I wonder how that influenced the choreography and if you saw similarities because of that. It was really interesting because in the beginning, you would think someone just wanted two people. You know, they wanted to just do a duet. And then they would come in and be like, 
I want to make it a trio. Mm-hmm. I want to add a third person. And then before you know it, we were all in there. Like right. not everyone was in the ballet. But there were a couple that did, a couple of choreographers that just did a pas de deux, mm-hmm. um, which was really nice and refreshing. But usually we were all in everything. So they would see you like leaving or watch the last bit of the rehearsal before. And they're like, oh, could you say it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I'm like tiptoeing out. So something I was wondering about the long rehearsal periods, did that affect um, performances in a ways like, uh, like if you've done something for so long, did you have nerves? Like, or were you just like, uh, you know, this is the most anything's ever been in my body. So I trust it. Well, that's when I would get nervous because like when you're, when something is so rehearsed, you just start overthinking it and like Mm -hmm. thinking your mind will go into something just completely off and kind of just throw you mm-hmm. um so that's that's what i still find really difficult when you have something that you've rehearsed and you can mm-hmm. do in your sleep and i just feel like it's easier to make little silly mistakes uh-huh. yeah there's there's a sweet spot yeah when we were talking to giovanni furlong who's now who was in miami city ballet now in new york city ballet and we were comparing kind of like miami city ballet has pretty significant rehearsal period especially compared to new york and so he was kind of comparing that he's like, kind of, it's better just to like go on and have to think about the choreography more than like right. really having it in your body. And I found that interesting because I can see how that can kind of be that you make totally. little mistakes when you're like not thinking about it in the same right. way. Yeah. Like when right, you get to right. build up those, those trouble spots in your head, like here comes the turn. Yes. <laughs> totally. And, and before, if you don't have time to think about it, you just go mm-hmm. for the turn. But when you're like, okay, gosh, here comes that step that I messed up two days ago in the first mm-hmm. Am I going to work? You know, so totally. You really psych yourself out. Don't think, just do. Don't think, just do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, you, were, you were in England for 10 years. What yeah. made you decide to come back to the States? Um, it was kind of like I felt like I while I still could I wanted to explore dancing somewhere else Mm -hmm. um while you know the bones still had a little bit of youth in them Mm -hmm. (laughs) my good friend was dancing in the states with uh Suzanne Farrell's company and she asked me twice I think two or three years Suzanne needed boys for stars and I couldn't go for that and then they reached out again and it was going to be her farewell um season and I already kind of had in my mind about moving back to the States because of a relationship I was in. We were thinking of transferring back to New York. Um, So I just started kind of putting the feelers out and I was in actually in Tahoe one summer Mm -hmm. and Suzanne emailed and she said, we are interested in having you. We need a boy, but I need you to take, come and take class. Mm -hmm. So I had, Mm -hmm. I think they had two days. So I literally flew from lake tahoe to washington dc to take class and they emailed me like pretty soon right after mm-hmm. saying that you'd be starting and i was like okay i'm gonna give it a go mm-hmm. i gotta stay in the states and see what happens and, mm-hmm. and nowadays she could have watched you take class on zoom that would have been way more than flying it would have been way more <laughs> oh my god can you imagine remember- suzanne on zoom damien <laughs> <laughs> She is. We've seen her. She's she's doing a couple classes. She's been teaching on Is Zoom? she? That's great. Yeah, she has a nice setup. 
with a, a big TV in front of her. And I think she's feeling more comfortable. So hopefully we'll get that's a great. little company yeah. class too. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. We got to <laughs> get in on that. I want to find out what's happening there. <laughs> a little camera in the back. Yeah, you better give yeah. us that Zoom code. We'll be in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what was that farewell season like for you? It was obviously such a special season for her. So many great ballets. What was that like for you to be a part of? It was really great. It was really special, especially after being in England. And there were a lot of nerves at first of coming back and dancing in the States and then doing balancing ballets. It had been so long, Mm -hmm. but it was such a wonderful group. I think there were 40, 40 of us and it very much is like a family. Everyone's scared. Everyone is like the classes are so hard. You mm-hmm. all just got to go in it together and mm-hmm. support each other. Um, but it was really great getting to dance. Gosh, these balancing ballets after being away for so long was just surreal. Mm-hmm. I remember like Chacon, like, come on. Like, mm-hmm. ah, so beautiful. What were um, some of the challenges i mean a particular story comes to mind that you (laughs) shared with me but uh uh, you know we talk about um switching or like having to adjust to the balancing style and technique a lot but we don't have that many people that go the other route so what were some of the challenges you faced um working with so many british choreographers who are probably pretty deeply entrenched in that sort of style and methodology it was really difficult because I had just come from LA and been with Colleen and done all these big fun balancing ballets and I got to mm-hmm. England and I mean pe- all the teachers looked at me like I was so crazy the mm-hmm. first couple of you know like they kept telling me I'm back and I'm like back and they're like close your hands and they're like whoa are you really going to turn from your legs straight and forth I'm like mm-hmm. yeah and I and I the <laughs> I'm sure Michael remembers the story <laughs> I'm going to tell. You. So Michael came to visit. I think it was a few of you guys this summer. This was it, whenever I think guys. it was me and Neil and Ezra, maybe. Yes. Yeah. So you all came to take class mm-hmm. and I gave them like a warning before. I was like, okay, we have our teacher today. She's from the Royal Academy of Dance. And she told me that I made up spotting front. So I was like, <laughs> guys, we, like, not that I need heard this story. all these three dancers to spot front of course they would but i mean we like really like we went for it (laughs) i remember you guys telling me that story it's so good uh, but i did have to calm things down a bit and like just soften things up which Mm -hmm. was difficult to do Mm -hmm. did you have any english teachers that you sort of like found an affinity for that you were like okay this helps me just sort of understand what they're going for like as opposed to sometimes it can feel when you're changing styles there's you know there's some people that are are better at translating it for newbies totally it was it was great having um so much time there with antonia franceschi Mm -hmm. because she was so I was in New York City Ballet and then she had lived in England for so long and she really did take me under her wing. Mm-hmm. And she, there was a way about her where she could soften it up. She's like, I get it. You know, right. I was there. I danced like that. But here it's going to come across like this mm-hmm. or it's going to look like this. So she had really put a lot of thought into it. Um, you know, how to make, keep the things about Balanchine that are 
so special and wonderful, Mm -hmm. but, you know, make it a bit more English. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I'm curious as a teacher now, and we'll talk more a little bit about that. Um, But sometimes I find myself like when I'm teaching, I always want to go for my balancing roots because it's what I know and what I can teach. And then sometimes when I see them doing things, I want to tell them because I want to tell my students like, oh, that is a thing. It's just a different style, but I want you to do it this way. But sometimes when I see things, I'm like, is that a thing? Like, I don't actually know because I'm not as familiar you're just the Belgian equivalent of that teacher telling Damien that spotting front doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> I am that. So do you feel like when you're teaching, that helps you to have both of those really great understandings of the different styles? Definitely. A hundred percent, especially for the young ones in the beginning, like when mm-hmm. you're starting out. I think it definitely does help. And you're um, so yeah. well-versed because you had the ABT curriculum training. So right. that was another way that you managed to like have a, a broader swath of um, knowledge from all these different techniques. The ABT, I think I may, maybe even saw you once after one of these training sessions. I mean, there it's a week, eight days from nine to six. Mm-hmm. I mean, the days are so long, your brain is fried. And I remembered like, there would be a couple of things I was just like, oh, cringe, you want, you want, them to do what like uh. Uh but then you know when you're when you're teaching kids and since I started later and I didn't have that early fundamental it was really interesting to learn just simple pure Mm -hmm. you know really pure crisp clean technique and then we add the other bits later Mm -hmm. see and like even if you start earlier like I don't remember what any of that stuff was I was learning it for like I don't even still it's like I teach like a 12 year old I'm like what did I know at 12 no I didn't know that yeah yeah no like it's Mm -hmm. hard to so I can understand why that curriculum is great I feel so embarrassed like even telling people this but I did not know that you start your pleas with two hands on the bar. I thought you always start with oh. one hand. You know, like right. things yeah. like that. You know, I started yeah. at 13 and I was a mess. So like, <laughs> I kind of just skipped over all that two right. hands on the bar thing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you now teach full-time at the Washington Valley School. How did that opportunity yeah. come about? And what, what would you say like your primary influences as a teacher are now that you're there full-time? Uh, It came about really quickly. It was after the season with Suzanne's. I was in D.C. And one of my close friends, friend of the pod, Monica Stevenson. Friend of the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's like family. We live together in New York, L.A., London. And she brought me, asked me that she's the head of the school now at the Southeast Campus. She asked me to come in and teach a master class. So I did. It was great. I had, I think it was right after we finished. I had the next day off. I went and taught like a long master class. And then the head of the school at the time reached out because one of the teachers was leaving on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't go right away just because of timing. And at this time, I kind of still thought I was going back to England. Mm -hmm. And then they invited me to come and teach for the summer program. And which was so scary. Viamar Reyes, who I love. I mean, but she sat in and watched the whole thing Mm -hmm. from start to finish. Like, and it was terrifying Mm -hmm. just, you know, because she wants, if you watch her teach, it's it's wonderful, but she, it's corrections are going the entire time. 
So mm-hmm. they, she really wanted me to have that mentality. And that was different for me. I would mm-hmm. kind of let everyone dance, then maybe give a correction at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But she, her and Monica, they emailed me shortly after and asked if I wanted to come and work for the year. First, I was scared because I was like, they don't like me. They don't like the way I teach. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure that they understood like what what you're bringing to the plate, you know, you're bringing something different from ZMR as like Cuban background, totally. and like the, the range of knowledge that they want on that staff is going to be, you know, they're trying to, to give their dancers all these different options. Totally. And like now I think my thing that I try to stress most to the students is technique, mm-hmm. beat and fifth, not third, heel mm-hmm. four, that. Mm-hmm. You know, no, third. your leg can be 93 degrees with your healing path forward Thank and just you. be like, it mm-hmm. can be just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I really try to get that across pure, clean technique, mm-hmm. not all these crazy tricks, <laughs> but you know, mm-hmm. clean and tidy. <laughs> mm-hmm. No Instagram dancing. We don't need that. Just because your hip is forward and then your leg is at your nose when to the front is not mean it's a pretty line. Totally. Totally. Can you talk a little bit about the, the Southeast campus? Because I think it's just such a, a special thing that the Washington Ballet is doing. And um, uh, it just, totally. well, I, I got to teach once and it was like the girls there are so great. And um, it just, there's like a lack of, pretense and uh you know i guess a, a way that feels more like i just felt like it was you we're making ballet accessible and it's not like this elitist um like totally. mommy and daddy have all the money and live on the upper east side and can buy me a place at this school right it's really interesting let's see the southeast campus and must have opened i could be wrong on dates i think it was it's been 12 years now mm-hmm. I think that's right. But thing, it's been 12 years. Um, and at first, it was when Septim was the director. Mm-hmm. And it was the satellite school of the Washington Valley in Southeast DC and a very poor community. And this gorgeous building they built and there's art and music and ballet. And it's all based on, it's on a sliding scale. So depending on what their parents make, that's what you pay. Um, before, I'm let's see, probably since Julie's been there, the school has done a huge turnaround. I think before it kind of was more of an after-school program and it mm-hmm. had the name Washington Ballet. Uh, but before Julie became the director, she came down and she saw both camp- both campuses mm-hmm. and realized that they have to be the same. They have to have the same syllabus. They have to the same curriculum, mm-hmm. learning exactly the same, whether you're in Northwest or Southeast. Mm-hmm. So she needed help with that. And at the time, Monica was working at Monica Stevenson at American Ballet Theater. Mm-hmm. So Julie asked her to come mm-hmm. to D.C. Mm-hmm. and help her turn around the school. And since I've been there, I've been there two years, Monica and Julie, four. I mean, it is just insane. These kids mm-hmm. like having the structure and the discipline and Miss Monica does not play. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, no, like, she does not. She does not. <laughs> like, so at, I mean, she just walks in the room and the kids are like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the, I'm the softer one. You know, they could, I'm the, the nicer one. Right. <laughs> but it's beautiful to see. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful to see that how it is one. 
you know, the, the kids right. from both campuses are in both productions. And, you know, there's still a lot of talk that it's segregated, but it's just because of where the locations are and what, mm. you know, who lives in that neighborhood. But there is a big crossover because at Southeast, we only go levels one through six. Mm-hmm. Then after seven, eight, nine, they have to go to Northwest. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember Monica telling us that. That's yeah. so cool. I'm, it must be so great to see them go to the other campus and then continue totally. their training towards being professionals. And totally. to hopefully so get awesome. the company, you know, eventually be, to be integrated and to actually reflect the diversity of DC. I mean, DC is such yeah. a diverse city. Oh my God. Um, totally. You, you don't like it just, what doesn't make sense to have a bunch of, you know, lily white people and, and that's it. But I did see like, a beautiful photo where there were just three three black girls in the core of Saranot all with their hand out, you know, for that opening. Yes. And it's like, that's still not enough, but it's like, I mean, 10 years ago, where could you find three black girls in a core of Saranot? Totally. So it's totally. like, it's a ni- it's a great thing to see that we're finally, finally taking those steps towards mm-hmm. actually having companies that reflect the, com- reflect the communities that they're serving. Mm-hmm. And it's like peace by piece we have some it's gonna take a little bit of time mm-hmm. you know like as, i wish we could just twinkle our nose and have like 20 fierce little black and brown dancers mm-hmm. all over but it it's gonna take a little bit of time for their training and but it's mm-hmm. happening right definitely That's happening exciting. in these diverse cities mm-hmm. so great So let's talk a little bit about Lake Tahoe Dance Festival. You've been an important part of the festival for a long time. Tell us how you first got involved. Oh, Kristen, Kristen Han and I, the director, one of my closest friends, we danced together in New York at with Miro Maguire's company called Mm -hmm. New Chamber Ballet. Mm -hmm. And at the time it was myself and three girls. I've only, I've the entire 20 years of the company, I've been the only male. I think there were a couple of shows when I went to LA that someone did, but I've been the only male like full time. Wow. So we would go, we were just a little foursome. We would all go and take Willie's together and then Mm -hmm. go and work with Miro. He choreographed everything. Um, And then he brought in Constantine Becker, Mm -hmm. which is, the co-director of the festival mm-hmm. here and one of Kristen's really good friends. And he made a pot of de on Kristen and myself called Wanderla, which is just stunning, beautiful pot of de. It's really heartbreaking. And Kristen, we performed at Jacob's Pillow. And then while we we're at the pillow, Kristen was like, wait, I can do something like this in Tahoe. Like Tahoe is beautiful and we need something there. Mm-hmm. So I think it was that summer. Um, she started chatting with Miro and Miro was like, okay, well let's have a, a new chamber ballet evening in Tahoe, but we kind of thought all four of us would go, um, but it didn't work out timing-wise, so it was just me and Kristen. We did four potatoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my goodness. Four, four potatoes. We'd run and change you, two potatoes. <laughs> I mean, no one can say that you aren't a workhorse, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And the altitude here, no, I don't think anyone really told me the first time about the altitude. I, was, mm-hmm. I mean, dying. Um, but since yeah. then she would bring a few pe- of her friends back and we would just teach during the summer. Mm-hmm. And then she started the actual dance festival, right. which is just stunning. The stage is right by the lake and it's right at sunset and the breeze. And it, it's just stunning. And she has a big following people that really believe in her and support mm-hmm. her here, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So this year, naturally, the festival has had to take on a little bit of a different look. Um, so you guys are going to be having digital performances July 22nd and 24th. But right now you are in Lake Tahoe to be teaching there as, as part yes. of the festival, right? Is it yes, part, yes. Right? Yeah, so and that's usually, through June 30th, correct? Yes, it is. So usually everyone that performs, we kind of come in and uh, maybe a week or so early and you just teach master classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but since everything that's happened this year, myself and Christina Berger will still come in and teach modern. But it's really cool what Kristen's done. There are two stages outside. It's all sectioned off. Um, and each dancer has their own little space, own bar. They wear a mask. The teacher wears a mask. And they Amazing. each dance in their own little pie-shaped bit. Mm-hmm. And it's outside. And yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. That's amazing. Boy, that sounds like Zoom, but elevated, you know? Right. Like, I, know. <laughs> I mean, there's still how, in little boxes, but. How refreshing was it for you to have live students for the first time in three months? Oh, oh my gosh. Like, it, it, it's insane. You know, just feeling that energy, you get something back. Teaching over Zoom is difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so difficult. Yeah. Yeah, so let's delve into that for a hair and then we'll go back to Lake Tahoe. Um, You were saying right when we logged on with you that you are teaching lots and lots and lots on Zoom for Washington Valley, and which is so great you're able to do it while you're in Tahoe, but the time change, maybe not so great. Um, How is that going like to keep connected with your students and kind of keep working with them considering the conditions? It's going really well. And the first three months, um, when I was home in DC, in the little studio I built in my apartment, <laughs> so because of the levels change, some of my students I really didn't see, or you know, we just had to shift the schedule around. So I would be only with the boys some days, or mm-hmm. level eight girls, or so some of my students I haven't seen in three months, mm-hmm. and they've just been working with other teachers. Right. And finally, now I'm seeing them again, and the pro- the progress that they've made from home is just. Really? It's just so inspiring. Just thinking, you know, like they're holding onto a chair or some of them have a full on studio. And but just the fact that they're staying inspired and motivated and you can see what the other teachers have given them Mm -hmm. as long as they keep what I gave them. (laughs) 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 But it's it's been really nice to see and stay connected. But, you know, leading up to the summer program, I mean, all of the teachers and faculty were like living on Zoom, planning and talking with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yesterday, all of the placement classes. and. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So we've talked with, I mean, obviously just now, but not, but lots of other people about Zoom teaching, but now you're moving into a different phase that Lake Tahoe uh, is providing for you with in-person teaching, but are there still challenges with that? I'm sure, for instance, you don't get to touch the students, right? Yeah, totally. There are, and you still like... Like you guys know me, like I just want to run up. Yeah. And it's like, hi, oh my God, I haven't seen you. And it's like, oh, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And you have, I've kind of had to figure out ways to give a correction on myself and mm-hmm. show it and, you know, do more with my hands. And mm-hmm. because it's, it's harder, like it's, it's almost difficult at someone because you want to just jump right in there mm-hmm. and like grab their heel forward and yeah. do all of these things that involve touching, but right. you can't. Right. Right. <laughs> Do you feel like kind of the restrictions of Zoom and how we've adjusted as teachers teaching on Zoom has kind of helped to inform 
what you're doing now with them in person a little? Totally. I feel like because you have to verbalize so much, you have to put so much thought into how you're going to get it across the computer. So Mm -hmm. some of that does kind of stick when you're with them in person now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what we're all going to be dealing with, you know, when we get back. Yeah. How do you think? It's funny because when, oh, sorry, go Go ahead. You go ahead. Um, I, when I like was doing my Pilates training, they always tell you to just stand with your hands behind your back Mm -hmm. until you need to go and do something. And I was like, why would you ever do that? But that (laughs) having to do that now has like taught me like, nope, I can't get in there and touch. I have to use my words. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) that's so fun that that, that, that integration is there too. Like your Pilates training as a teacher also informs what you're doing. Yeah. Behind the back. Mm-hmm. How was Kristen able to pull together um, a safe means of having in-person classes? And why do you think that was important to her? I think that she has such a great group of dancers that weren't able to go to their summer program. Right. I mean, this she has really trained a group of dancers here. I mean, they were going everywhere all over mm-hmm. for the summer and just seeing their little faces, you know, they all went in auditions in San Francisco together every weekend. And I mean, the excitement mm-hmm. and the build up and her seeing their little faces when they, when they wouldn't be able to go away or, or somewhere online, I think it was just really, she felt that she needed to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a really good friend and family doctor here that helped her um, <clears throat> write down and plan exactly what needed to be done to pull off the classes safely. So it's still, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. Everything, the the temperature checks and the mask and the parent Mm -hmm. concerns. But it's, I think that these kids want to get out and dance, you know, like they, right. and she's just, the fact that there are stages, she's built stages outside. I mean, that's just incredible. Where else can you do that? You know, like that's just not going to happen anywhere else. It's not feasible. So that's just so cool. Is that a feature that's, um, unique to the summer or do you typically are you able to teach classes outside every year at the festival usually we don't have classes outside there might be a warm-up class or mm-hmm. one or two before the show but the stages are there for performances um but yeah this is the first time that we've had all of the classes that's so great i mean who doesn't want to take class outside yeah i know i almost thought about i might do it some days my first class that starts at six thirty. Uh, for DC at 930. If it's warm enough, I might teach it on the Go stage. out there. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. Because yeah. yeah. there's Wi-Fi and it's mm. getting warmer. And... <laughs> A little sunrise <laughs> moment. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> so um, if any of our listeners are in the area and wanted to take class with you in Lake Tahoe, well, there's a few days left. Um, how? What's the best way for them to do that? Yes, definitely email Kristen, uh, info at Lake Tahoe Dance Collective. Um, check out the Instagram, send us a message. There are definitely spots and we want dancers. There are children, teenagers, and adult classes as well. She's really like jam packed it in there. How cool. So there's something That's for so everyone great. to I just be outside that. and port a bra. And <laughs> yeah, we've yeah. been inside too much. It's time to be outside and move totally. around. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm on a plane to Tahoe, so I can take class with you now. So <laughs> I need I need an outdoor class. Oh man, like what's that going to be like? I'm so jealous of you, Damien. I well, I think I'll get to teach out 
um, not outside, but like in a couple months, in two months, I might be able to teach oh, nice. in person. But you're um, the kids in Lake Tahoe are so lucky to have you. And we're so glad that Kristen could pull together something that's going to really, I think, enrich the community for the summer. Totally. I'm so thankful to be a part of it. It's so great. So fun. Awesome. Well, thank you, Damien. Thank for you for me. having me. Mm-hmm. We hope you get lots of great kids at your classes before uh, June yeah. 30th. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.